Episode 28, part two, Donnie Fandango. I decided not to hold back because I feel like the year 2020 is making everybody wait for things, right? We're all waiting for a vaccine so we can go to live shows again. I I didn't want to just hold on to Donnie for like, you know, months and not give you what you need. So here it is. I hope you enjoy. We get into the gravy of Donnie's professional career as an interviewer, and I think you will really enjoy his stories as well as the tangent we go off on and the big reveal at the end where I call Donnie out. It's pretty hysterical. Here it is, part two with Donnie Fandango. warm in here? Are you warm? I didn't touch that. I'm going to have to turn it down because... uh, We're coming in hot? I I, I think uh, with my age... Probably body type. Uh, I I feel as though that it is a lot hotter in this building than maybe some other people do. So I might have to do that. Hold on. All right. Yeah. Fix that. Well, you know, in the Casey studio, because we're in a different studio recording this now, I do pump it down because John and I, whenever we'd have the morning show, we would put it down because we wanted it to be as hot as a sauna for a couple of reasons. One, like we like to burn those extra calories by sweating during the show. But also we found that people didn't stay in the studio to bullshit with us as long. So people would leave. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> I, know. I will risk the uncomfortness. <laughs> To not have to deal with the salesperson. Exactly. Absolutely. That's that right. is, dude, that is a that is a great idea. Those are the kind of things that you learn from veterans like you, man, well, I would guess. We're psychopaths, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, okay, because the last episode with which by the way was listened to a ton and shared a ton, which is really cool for me. So thank you. Um, that's great. You know, we were not able to dive into your career experiences with interviewing bands and yeah. talking about the famous people. And mm-hmm. that's what people want. They want the meat. Yeah. So I want to start off uh, just, you know, whatever comes to mind. You've gone up to Lollapalooza. You've done Austin City Limits. Yeah. Have you done any of the other festivals like Rocklahoma or anything like no, that? I have not. Okay. So going to festivals, I think, would be a really fantastic thing. And talk about, because I've never done it. I know my husband's gone with you, but yeah. I've never gone. What is it like being at Lollapalooza back in the press tents among that energy with everybody walking around it's pretty freaking crazy um it, it's definitely those those moments where uh where, you know where you pinch yourself like holy cow i'm here and and there's one particular instance the last year that we broadcasted there uh, at Lollapalooza in chicago um big audio dynamite was playing the festival mick jones from the clash nice and so i'm back there and i'm broadcasting do 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 donnie 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 oh shit mick jones is here <laughs> <laughs> so so like it it is it is um you know when you just have some of those like kind of interactions and nothing was ever really like uh was really big. I ran into both uh, Pete and and uh, Patrick from Fallout Boy, uh, who were super nice dudes. And I was way taller than both of them, which really? made me feel really nice. Interesting. Yep. Uh, that DJ Skrillex. Yeah. You know him. Mm-hmm. He tried to lay it down on Mary uh, while she was uh, waiting in line to get a get chicken and beer back Hell there. Yeah. Still don't really like that at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> didn't love his music in the first place. Right. That ain't helping. Um, but you know, I mean, I think the thing though, too, man, and and, and I say this. You know, I get geeked out and the whole thing, but I honestly, in those situations, I, I just try to to carry myself like the I've been here before mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, you know, just because, uh, 
labels and band management and those kinds of when they see somebody that might be a little too fanny for mm-hmm. them, then I think that their kind of red flag goes up and they're kind of looking yeah. at you a little extra hard. And they don't bring their their musicians over normally, like because they're I don't know, it's a different energy about people like that. So so I just try to. I try to be the pro that you know you're going to get an interview, a good interview from. But those days were really fun um, because it was madness. And, and you know, I would think, you know, some of those days I was interviewing 10 to 13 bands. And then in, in, in between, you're jotting off to go and see people. Right. And so, like, I remember one particular instance where uh, I've been waiting all day to get five minutes with Brandon Flowers from The Killers. Just waiting five minutes. Just wanted five minutes with the guy. So I finally get him. And just as we sit down to talk, Snoop Dogg starts on the stage that's not very far from us. So I'm almost kissing. Uh, I'm almost kissing at Brandon Flowers because we're so close just to hear each other talk (laughs) because Snoop is killing it in the background. Uh, Also, too, uh, I interviewed the French band Phoenix. And uh, they're a really fantastic band, and I think the lead singer is married to Sofia Coppola, oh, wow. uh, the, the director. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I was interviewing those dudes, and their accents were so thick that I don't know what they said. I don't know if they know what I said to them. That is so great. But it was one of those things where, you know, because... And you know how you do you're, when you're in the interview, you're you're thinking about what's next. You're thinking about right. what's next, and then if they say anything, then you want to kind of make that mental note to bring it back. Oh yeah. And so this whole time, I, I, I'm just I wonder if these guys have any idea what I'm saying because I don't know what the hell they're saying. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's 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 always man. It's it, there's always really cool things um, that kind of happen, and I really very much uh, just appreciate how lucky I am to be in those particular situations. You know, like um, we have friends um, that essentially kind of run the ACL festival in in Austin. And, uh, and so like when we were down there, I mean, they take really, really great care of us as far as, you know, like a little VIP area and things of that nature. So cool. And so uh, that, that kind of stuff is, is, is pretty rad. And, uh, but again, like I have a basis for appreciating it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I set my ass out in that muddy lawn at that friggin' amphitheater. I can't even tell you how many times. <laughs> so, so when I have the ability to, uh, to, you know, like have a moment like that, you know, I feel like I've kind of earned my keep a little bit. So you're saying you've never fan guide out up for anyone? Oh, bullshit. No, I don't mean to say that. Okay, no, so. No, 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 Because no. you are, I, I always love watching you interview people. Yes. Because I think you do such a great job of intently listening to your uh, guest. Yes. And you also do a great job of holding back um, as much of your personal flavor as you can. So who was somebody that you interviewed where you you had a hard time yeah. containing professionalism. Mike Ness from Social Distortion. Really? Yeah. That's surprising to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think the first, one of the first things that I said in the interview as we were recording is, I can't fucking believe I'm talking to you right now. Are you just a huge Social Distortion fan? I was a huge Social Distortion fan, but then also to the presence of Mike Ness. Oh. He just sort of, he just kind of has that. Cool. That that rock and roll yeah. swagger that not everybody has. Right. Even guys in great bands that I love just don't have this kind of swagger. It's like, like a cowboy or something. Well, like this dude will play a punk rock show and maybe stab you in the process. There's Hell a yeah. distinct possibility. <laughs> and so, like, so from there, it did not. He, 
I don't think that his bag is doing press in the first place. Mm-hmm. So he's doing a bunch of interviews, and he's got me kind of tooling out about it. Mm-hmm. It was just, it, it was all right. It, oh. it was something that, but that's not on him. He wasn't like mean or anything like yeah. that. I just set the table wrong, and it was just, it got off on the wrong foot. What year, like, was this early on in your career, or was this later? No, I mean, it was one of the Lala years, so, I okay. mean, I had been, I mean, I, I was 10 plus in, yeah. you know, but no, I definitely get geeked out. I use the geek out as motivation to, 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 to make sure that I'm prepared and on a mm-hmm. and on a and on a good level, um, but also too, it makes it tough when it's the bands you don't give a shit about. Oh. You're like, oh boy. Yeah. So X band again. Oh, wonderful. You know, <laughs> right? But um, but no, I, I I definitely get geeked out, and I I get excited no matter whom I'm interviewing. Even though I just said that about the bands that I don't care about, but like I still want to make sure that they feel like they that their time was well spent, that I didn't waste their time. I don't ever want to do that to anybody. Well, yeah. And do you ever feel, because I get intense pressure, especially at KC, because we don't have, the bands that I'm going to be interviewing for KC have been around for like 40 plus years. Right. They are older than me always. I have no business talking to these people. I always feel like that. But I also feel like I have such a weight on my shoulders to ask the questions that my audience wants me to ask. Sure. And sometimes that means asking questions that are controversial. Right. You know, how have you, you know, have you ever asked a question that what, like you knew you were asking a question that's going to get a rise out of somebody and what was that like? Well, I mean, there's, well, first of all, I think as interviewee, as interviewers, man, you, you, especially when we're not Howard Stern and they don't know us, we got to build a little trust before we can, before we can drop a bomb like that. Oh yeah. You know, like, like you have to be able to make sure that you have a rapport with that person before. And so, um, the one that I can think of that, that, that comes to mind is interviewing Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. So this horrible reputation for being an absolute jackass, I mean, like in the, in the, in the pantheon of rock history, he would be up there as one of the biggest pricks of all time. And so I'm interviewing him. We're legitimately 10 minutes into this thing. And this guy is as as friendly as friendly could be. All right. Because I I told him, I was like, hey, listen, I don't come from a a metal background like like. So at some point I said to him and I use this term, Dave. You are known as a prickly pear, but you have been nothing but the the sweetest to me. What am I? What am I doing that these other people weren't doing? And he loved that I called him a prickly pear oh, for one. Yeah. Like, and he giggled about it, and then went on to give a great answer about how in the past, not only was maybe sometimes the interviewees trying to catch him with something, but also that he was fucked up, that he was doing drugs, that he was not in a good place yeah. mentally to give a shit about anybody else other than himself, and now he's just looking at things differently, you know? So, like, that one, that you know, that one was was so much fun because I I left that with a far greater appreciation for that dude than I went into the sure. interview with. Um, another one, when he, I had Eminem in studio oh. at the very, right when my name is, was popping. Oh, right, my. Right when. So he was going to play a sold out show at Mississippi Nights and we were the only one in town playing my name is. So the top 40 hadn't popped on it yet or anything, but he was big enough that that show was way sold out. Right. 
So he came to the old station off of Cole. He came with the bodyguard, and that dude looked like three freaking people rolled into one. <laughs> and when he got there, I could tell that he did not want to be there. I, 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 he was barely saying anything. He wasn't looking at me. The whole thing, and I was just like, "Oh boy, this is not going to be great." But not only had I prepared the interview, uh, but I had also uh, it was his first time in St. Louis, so I wanted to make sure that the St. Louis welcome wagon uh, greeted him in great style. So I had a case of Budweiser that I pulled out from under the board onto the table. Smart. And so then we start to seeing a little thaw. Hmm. And then I had brought up a quote that Busta Rhymes had made about Eminem being important to hip hop. And it was almost learn like I saw it click in his head and he was locked in and I had him the rest of the time that he so was, cool. was in. And I even I remember that day because I got yelled at for playing the second single from that record, which was a song called Guilty Conscious that featured Dr. Dre. Mm. And uh, my program director at the time said he didn't think that it was a good idea for us to hear, to hear Dr. Dre's name on oh, our God radio forbid. station. So, um, you know, man. It, People it was, suck. But, you know, I mean, I think it's tough, man. Like, programmers, I think I don't envy them now or then, no. man, because you are in such a pressure cooker to make money. We can talk about the coolness of playing songs and all that shit all we want. Right. And I wish that that's what it was about. I do. But it, it, it's not. Yeah. And so these guys, these men and women are under massive amounts of pressure to turn profits wherever they can. And if they see something that could hurt the brand or throw something off, then I understand that they get in a tizzy. But it's one freaking song but one it's, time. It's one freaking song and it's one time and also two I really think, and this is a whole other can of worms, but I really think that we underestimate the shit out of our listeners. Absolutely agree. I, I think that, I, I think that, I, 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 I don't know the best way to say this and keep myself out of trouble, but I, I just, I don't believe that people want it as limited, want it as limited as it can be. I don't believe that right. and I'll never believe that and maybe that's maybe that's why I won't be in this gig in 10 years or 5 years or 4. I don't know. You will be here for but, a million But dude, years. like I just don't feel like we give people near enough credit, man. You know what's interesting about that though? I there's a quote and I want to say it's Einstein who said research kills creativity. Yeah. And it constantly rings true for businesses like ours where um you know, what people loved so much about radio in the 70s and like FM format in general as it was beginning, especially rock, was that the DJs were selecting music based on a whim or an emotion or a vibe that was happening, right? Yeah. Or if they got a new record and they liked it, it was it was human that they were like, there was no, pr- there was no um, algorithm or quanti- uh, uh, quantitatives or, uh, qu- yeah, qu- quantitatives about it. There was no research about it. It was just, hey, this uh, Zeppelin 4 track is amazing and we're going to turn it, you know, you're hearing it first and, and then boom, it went out there. And then now we have Led Zeppelin, you know, 50 years later. I think that what we get into in the radio business and the TV business gets into this, and it's not just us, it's every freaking radio station out there, is they do need to turn over a profit. So they have to go to research. So what's going to get ratings? And then they narrow it down to how uh, itty bitty little micro minutes everybody's listening. And then they they take a panel of people, as you know, and it's based on the this uh, this. Um, 
you know, this demographic of people that is a little pool of people that represents a mass. And it's uh, sometimes it's uh, it's not as creative as it needs to be. And that's why I think throwing in a, a song here or there to break up the programming literally is good. And it shows that there's still humans behind the board. Well, Back to you. No, no, but, but no, you're right. And, and, but also too, man. And I mean, and this is something truthfully that radio has not addressed legitimately <laughs> at all, at least not to my knowledge. My son is 20 years old. Mm-hmm. All right. He'll be 21 years old in July. My son does not need the radio. Right. He does not need us for his music or his news or anything. What are we doing to make radio translate to the next generation? Exactly. And I do not know that that is happening. And it feels as though anytime you see any bit of creativity from programmers, that those those programmers are almost immediately shut down right. by either their up and ups or by record labels who want things to continue to be, you know. Transactional. The, 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 or the not transactional, that, but that relationship that yeah. it is. So, so man, I, I it, it is... I just think that 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 we're do some growing, man. Some real oh, yeah. growing and some real hard lessons, man. Because if we don't, what incentive are we are we giving them? What 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 is going to make them want this? That's that's already produced when they can go to their phone and make whatever that they want for their entire day. They don't need me. Well, the the actually what I was going to say is they do need you because I feel that the thing that lacks, and it's so interesting, the thing that lacks with having news and music at our fingertips where we can program essentially our own playlists on our smartphones is that sometimes we need to we need to hear another human. And like podcasts like this right now, yeah. I feel like is one subsidy of radio where, you know, they get, they're getting me because they heard about my podcast on my radio station and my socials. They're coming here to maybe be just quiet for a little bit and listen to me interview you. And they want to know what your brain is open about because they know you from your radio station. Right. So I really do feel like where we have a leg up on like Apple music and Spotify and Pandora and everything is that we are local humans. Well, I agree. And you're right. You're right. Right. But also us doing business the same way that we have done with band releases X single on the 10th. Band goes for ads on the 17th. Right. Bullshit. Kid gets song on the 10th. Mm -hmm. Kid already has it as his favorite by the 11th. They're not... They, we are not, we, us waiting a week or two weeks or three weeks, I, I think that shit has to change dramatically, man, because I, we, we have to be, I mean, I'm not saying we have to be the ones for them to come to it, but in order for them to want to come to us as a part of those other things, as a part of those other platforms, because right. those platforms aren't going anywhere, um, then we have to give them more than what we're currently giving them, at least on the music side of things. That's what I think. But uh, I definitely am in the minority when it comes to that sort of thing. And, um, you know, I have when I have said things in meetings like our listeners don't listen to the radio this way. uh, I have largely, uh, you know, it is what it is. I I don't want to say that I haven't been listened to, but I think that. Once you see all these presentations over years and years and years and years, you just get it in your head that this is 
how it should be and how it is. And, and I think that right now, uh, of any time, I think we should be pushing the shit out of ourselves to do something different, oh, yeah. to make something different, you know? Like, I just... I, and I don't think that it needs to go back to 70s radio where everybody's playing whatever they want because that, as much as fun as that sounds, mm-hmm. that probably wouldn't work, but there has to be something. But don't you feel the, like... The- Somebody would want to know, like a curated playlist. Like Apple has curated artists curate playlists that say they're multi genre. Um, it is coming straight from that person's preference. They're only thinking about themselves. Like I would be interested to have a Donny Fandango curated playlist. Well, I think we each need more of that. It, it can't be all of that, but we need more of that. Right. Not to mention the fact that outside of my kids and sports. Mm-hmm. I, there is nothing more that I do than listen to music and read about music. I know you do. You know, like so, so I, it it it's just those things where, and it's it's part of where I am in my age and my career and all that stuff. But it's just almost like you cats don't trust me to 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 let this rip. In, in knowing that I want to have everybody's best interest in yeah, heart. Yeah. I want the station to succeed. Right. I want the listeners to have songs that they like, and I want to play shit that I think is cool. Exactly. You're not trying to sabotage things. No, yeah. no. But but I think that, I just think that we've got some, some growing to do, and I think there's probably going to be some hard times in that growing. But you know what? Probably good. We're due. Yeah. You know? But but I, I think that... that, that and I hate like the 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 the, the crutch phrases outside of the box. Ugh. But man, I mean, we gotta we we have got to do that in order to keep us going and to keep us changing. I don't I feel like there's been enough change. I like this. Good. See, and this is I am here for the Donnie soapbox because I am right with you on that, and I think you have a good point. I, I, I really do. I'm with you 100. percent You know, and, and I mean, but also too, I mean, it is me kind of wanting to also play some more shit that I think is cool on the radio, <laughs> just because I Get want that to. Doctor Dre back out. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. So let's. All right. Bring it back. Yeah. So okay. We're so, great on the tangents. Oh, I, I'm a hey, tangent man. taker, man. I'm oh, so I sorry. Am too. Oh, <laughs> it's like we talked about the first episode. If we ever had that show together, it would be like a volcano. Okay. Okay. You guys know <laughs> that you're supposed to play six songs during the morning show. You haven't played six songs this week. Yeah, take, yeah, 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 we know, we know. We know we've taken out other things. <laughs> All right. What is it, who is an artist or band that you uh, you were incredibly impressed by? Maybe you, you didn't know, you didn't think that you were going to, maybe it was one of those X bands where you thought, okay, God, I got to interview this band. Mm-hmm. But you were completely blown away by how they carried themselves, yeah. how much they knew, the, more into the, oh, oh yeah. man, my favorite is Corey Taylor. Oh. Um, because I had him a bunch of years ago, uh, right at the beginning of the Stone Sour thing. Okay. All right. I'm not a Slipknot guy. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I think what they do is great. I think they are great, but that shit just ain't for me. Sure. Okay. But, but, but that said, if you've never seen that band in concert, do it. it it's, uh, they are unbelievable. But, so <laughs> I thought that I was going to have this kind of meatheady, blah, blah, blah guy come in and whatever. Holy crap. 
he was hilarious and funny, and I didn't, all I had in the system was like uh, Cure hits, the band The Cure. I just had the hits, Just Like Heaven, uh, Lullaby, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So he's trying to bust my balls that I didn't have cool enough Cure music in the in the system, which I loved knowing <laughs> that this Corey Taylor, this metal guy, loved The Cure yeah. as much as I did. So he was definitely one. And the, my favorite of all time, though, and I've said this and I mentioned in the last time, but every time that I've got Marilyn Manson, dude is money. He is wonderful to talk to. I look forward to him. And I know that's not initially the question, but I just look forward to the interactions because I never know what the dude's going to say. He'd probably insult me. It's going to probably be funny that I'll laugh at, but it's going to work. It's going to all work in this thing. And I like watching that dude work because it's, he has so many people like, just like hoodwinked on that. He is this horrible Satan worshiping whatever. Right. That dude freaking rolls to Costco on Saturdays just like we do to buy bulk toilet paper. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? He like he's he just is a mastermind of his brand and what he wants to put out there. And there's nobody better at doing that. When you told us in the last episode about uh interviewing Marilyn Manson with the tape incident. Yeah. And um so what you've interviewed him how many times you think? Four now. Three in person and one over the phone. So how did uh, did he remember you at no. any of the other times? No. Were no. they spaced out very No, long? the only I get I will get crazily enough, the only guys recently that re- have remembered me every time are uh the 21 Pilots guys. Uh, Josh and Tyler, um, because we were legitimately there from the get-go. We were one of the first Asians in the country to play that band. I was one of the first bands, or they were one of the, I was one of the first people that they ever interviewed with. And um, and uh, those guys, and I know people shit on the band, and you might not like them, and that's fine, but those are two good men. Yeah. Like, those are good dudes. Like, those are guys that I root for because I see how they are with their listen with their fans these kids come in there they're legitimately have no idea what to say yeah. they're about to cry because they because they mean so much to them mm-hmm. and these guys man they take the time like they're not trying to brush people through like in that situation of a meet and greet in 2020 they are as amazing as you as you as you possibly could ever want and also too another great one was Dan Reynolds from uh from Imagine Dragons that dude and I'm not a big Imagine Dragons fan musically that is a that is that what that man wants <laughs> to do to help people with his band right is is really remarkable so it just gets kind of easy to, to to root for him you know have you ever interviewed Trent Reznor on the phone once. How did that go? Fucking awesome. Was it really? He was really great, as a matter of fact. And what I what I do what I cannot remember exactly. So this was, it was during the Bush administration, the second Bush administration. Okay. Somewhere along the line, Trent had given them a cease and desist for using his music for something, and I don't remember what, what it was. What song did they use? I don't remember. <laughs> But but it was still in the news, and so I had alluded to Dick Cheney using the song for something, and I wish I still had it on tape learn, because he gave this Trent Reznor laugh. Oh. That was, like, cool and dark (laughs) and fucking amazing that I couldn't (laughs) believe that I got out of him, and so the rest of the interview was shit, because that just completely threw me off. That's so great. But he is is on my—I mean— 
He's on my bucket list to do a, an in-person one, and also Billy Corgan from the from from the Pumpkins. Uh, I would really like to talk to those guys because I feel like now they're at the point of their career where if they're going to give you the time, then they're going to be good. Yeah. They're not just going to be oh god, I got to do this right. because Trent Reznor doesn't have to do shit if he doesn't want to do shit. No. Same for Corgan. I just want to get there. I want to just talk to them about everything. I mean, they just have so much at this point. But, uh, you know, haven't gotten there yet. Did you like How to Destroy Angels with Mary Queen? Uh, I thought that it was I thought that it was cool. I, I, I didn't necessarily spend a ton of time with it. And I, I thought of it. I thought of it as like, oh, wow, this is something fun. The guy wants to do right. with his wife. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I, I, I sometimes Trent gets real uh, when the, when it gets real ethereal and like. I'm a song guy, man. Like I, well, I mean, whether it be in the in the three to six minute ballpark, I need a song and strong structure. So when he's starting to do these soundtracky things, okay, man, somebody else can tell me if it's brilliant or not because I don't know. Speaking of that, you just made me think about Maynard James Keenan. Mm-hmm. So have you interviewed him in Tool, A Perfect Circle, and Pussifer? Like in th- in all three, or did have you interviewed him in any of those, or in just one? Because I feel like he's one that maybe would come into your radar. I don't think I have. I know Riz has had him once, but I do not believe that I have. I did have one of my coolest experiences inadvertently that had to do with Maynard at Lollapalooza 1996 or 97. Whatever year Tool played and Prodigy headlined, it was the first year that I covered Lollapalooza for the station. And I'd went backstage to interview Keith Flint, rest in peace from Prodigy, from the mm-hmm. Prodigy. And, um, you know, I did the interview, whatever. I'm sure it was terrible. I'd been in radio for five minutes, so I'm sure it was terrible. So I come out of his dressing room, and I am walking. I'm in the backstage area at the amphitheater. This is when Lollapalooza toured. Correct. Yeah, yeah. sorry. And so I'm walking essentially away from the stage in the backstage area. And I see a, somebody walking towards me hmm. in clown makeup, clown pants, a wig, <laughs> and fake boobs. Yeah, I remember that. And I was like, huh, I wonder, <laughs> that's curious. And so I went out to my seat where Tool had just started. And what do you know? It was Maynard James Keenan. I mean, we almost touched arms. That's and cool. I should have known that at this point, that that's who that was. Um, but uh, it was, um, and I just remember too, I, I remember I saw Tool on that Anima tour, I think three different times at the American, once at Ozfest, and then once at Lollapalooza, and and that band at that time to me, I mean they might be the best band that I had ever seen or I've ever. I mean, it was remarkable. Oh yeah, like you're not just watching that show; you're into that show. And the first time that I saw them at the American, so they underbooked it for one, and so it's asses to elbows at the American Theater. And Maynard comes out in flesh-colored shorts. That's it. And on the flesh-colored shorts, he had uh, drawn uh, curlies. So uh, where I was standing, I thought the dude was naked. But then I'm like, there's no way that that he could be naked. There's no way. Obviously, they'd arrest him. But he just, he had had those, those shorts. And that was the first time. And I, I mean, I guess it was the first two or three songs of that set that his back was to the audience. He was looking, he was looking at the back of the stage. And I was like, 
I don't know what this is, but this is the best fucking band I've ever seen. I've never heard a band sound like this. It was just, um, it, it was just really remarkable getting to see them, and I've seen them since. And unfortunately, they don't hold the same water for really? me as they did. It's gotten so jammy, man. I, I you get into fifteen minute prog rock songs for me, and I it and just does not do it for me, man. I I I, I want to. But I can't. Right. I'm with. I'm at the show with my brother, who is loving every freaking, <laughs> freaking jammy second of it, and I'm like, oh my god, I just want to know the words to a fucking song. <laughs> I love that you are like that because that's. I think that that is rare because I feel like it's almost like on the other side of the spectrum to love the jam. I feel like because I, you are you are somebody who knows music you study music you're a fan of music but then there's people who think they're cool who also know music who think like we got to we got to sit here for 14 minutes i want to hear you know and they they take apart every instrument of the jam and compare it to other jams that they've bootlegged like i just love that you're honest about it let me tell you something i'm my own man when it comes to shows <laughs> uh the last time that i saw pearl jam here yeah um 2009 no, 2016. Four years ago? No. No, it had to have been longer than that. Last time I saw them was 2009. And I remember bits and pieces of that show because I was entirely messed up. Regret, regret, regret. Yeah. Um, but then I feel like somebody told me that they came through like 2015 or 2016. I think that, I think it was... in, in the, So, long story short... <laughs> I'm getting ready to go to the bathroom when they're playing Evenflow. I'm going to the bathroom when right. they're playing Evenflow. And the guy at the end of the row is like... Donnie, how are you going to the bathroom during this song? Real goddamn easy, let me tell you. When you've heard it 12,000 times, you're going to be okay. Right. I, I, you guys enjoy. I'll be back for the B-side. Thank and, you very much. And if there's any uh, Pearl Jam song to go to the bathroom oh, to. Also, <laughs> too, I am too old to pretend that I don't like shit I don't like or that shit is cool yeah. that I don't think is. Like, I am... There is no point of that to me anymore. And, and and it's part of one of the reasons I think I sometimes have trouble on the label side of my job because I don't bullshit with people mm-hmm. anymore. There's no sense in me telling you that your record has a chance on my station if it doesn't have a chance. Right. There, there's there's no reason that we should play that game. Let's not do that to each other and waste each other's time. I ain't got time for it. I like you know? that. I, but see, it's such a fine line to walk on that because some people would label that as an asshole. And it's like... You you aren't labeled as that. So no, that's but nice. I can be an asshole, and I know that I and I know that I can be, and I know sometimes I should be when I'm not, and I know there are times that I'm not where I should, where I could be. You know, like like I I I, I just have trouble sometimes, truthfully, and this would be version number three mm-hmm. of the music industry in general, and so sometimes I just get a little burnt out on the bullshit. Mm-hmm. And um, I've just been doing it for so long that like, I, I just don't, uh, I just don't feel the need for it anymore. That's good though. If it's not going to help the station. I like that. Uh, you have to be an ambassador of the brand, you know, or not, you have to be the ambassador. You have to be the gatekeeper to what is coming onto the radio station. You yeah. know, I feel like it's a good responsibility to have to I, feel like that. I take that shit personally. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I, the records that we play on the station, mm-hmm. when it's ones that I don't think that we should play uh-huh. or that I think it's a waste of time, it bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting better at having it not bother me, but it bothers me. I, I, I mean, you know, man, I, I don't know. 
My parents did not raise me with the ability to do things half-ass. I wish they would have, Don yep. and Debbie. It would really <laughs> have saved me some anxiety. But they just didn't. So yeah. when I'm into something, I am absolutely all in. Um, and so, like, I I, I just um, I take things over there very, very personally and i think i always will even when i'm not there anymore you know what i mean i mean you spend that much time at any one place you put that many late nights into any one place it just did that just kind of how it's going to be i think that's a good thing though and i feel like that's a common thread for people that work at radio stations as long as you have like where it's it it becomes a part of who you it's a you become a part of what it is it's not it's i wouldn't say it's a part of you because i feel like that like anybody who ever gets let go or moves on to a different thing like I think that if you look at it that way it's harder to find that next thing that you're gonna do so I always try to look at it like my part in this station is you know the station isn't as big of a part of of me as I feel like I've added to Casey you know so so this is a real thing so I have been on Casey now I'm on full-time at the arch in the point I did part-time at the river I have never and, and I'm not lying to you, never worn another station logo on my body besides the point logo. I have had an arch t-shirt hanging up in my closet rotation for two months, and it just feels weird to put on. Can I just say you're wearing an ESPN t-shirt right now? Oh, shit. I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Well, I'll be damned. But you. But wait, but, is it different because it's sports and I've never worked there? I guess so. I think you are a liar. Well, I got nothing to say after that one, Lauren. I got nothing to say after that one. That's amazing. <laughs> That's crazy. Because, like, because I will, I, the KC shirts are so cool. I know. But I will wear one. I don't because I just, you. I feel like, I, I feel like a traitor. And you're our sister or brother's teacher, whatever right. the hell it is. But, like, it just is not, it's not my team. You know what I'm saying? I get it. I get it. I do feel bad now. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're going to leave it there. All right. I think you are such a great interviewer, Donnie. And I I feel like you and I could have this conversation for like a year. Like we could keep talking. I I definitely won't like keep scheduling you for these. But but at the same time, you're so layered and interesting. And I, whenever I listened back to the first episode we did and I was like going through it and stuff, I, I really, as I was listening to you, talking to you, but listening back to us talking, I was like, you know, it really is incredible, the career that you've had, how you have evolved as a person, it sounds like, even though I've only known you for the last 12 years, like, it's just really cool to see somebody as passionate, talented, professional, and just overall, like, a good dude. Well, thanks. I, so. I'm, you know, man, I'm, I'm, it's a real weird time in our business right now, and I'm really concerned about my future, you know, um, as I think a, a lot of us, yeah. a lot of us you know, are, I just, whatever time I've got left doing this, six months, a year, five years, 10 years, mm. I want to enjoy it. Yeah. I have not spent enough of my career enjoying the amazing moments that I've had. And, you know, man, and I think about this a lot. My dad worked in a factory uh, from 1967 until about four years ago. Damn. Back-breaking ass labor. Right. Cuts on his hands, cuts on his feet, like like dude worked his ass off. Yeah. I get to come and do this shit every day. (laughs) 
need to keep proper perspective. But I just really want to enjoy it. And, I, and I'll tell you, man, anytime I can do ever any do anything for you, it's friggin' done. It's fun to talk to Donnie no matter what we're talking about. That is for damn sure. Thanks so much for part two, man. If you would like to rate, review, share this episode, that would be greatly appreciated. Of course, you never have to do anything for me because I am here to serve your brain. I hope that you listen to this while you were cleaning the house or, I don't know, driving to work or just maybe you're just getting out of the house because you've had it. I hope that my podcast is entirely comfortable and becoming kind of a, a thing that you do twice a month that you look forward to. Uh, rates and reviews are always appreciated, but again, you don't need to do that. All right. The sixth is when we will talk again. We're inching towards the 30th episode. I think I'm going to take a little bit of a hiatus after the 30th. Um, I say that because we'll probably be getting in around holiday time and my anniversary around that time. And it'll just be nice to take a moment, maybe a month off or so. But who knows? Maybe I won't do that. So stay on pins and needles. I'll talk to you on the 6th. You can always get at me on Twitter at Learn Versus Radio. And stay well. Peace.